0: Welcome back to another week of the Rev MD podcast. It's the end of the year, and I just want to take a moment to celebrate all of the wins that our clients have had this year. We've had several practices really take some big leaps, and I know it's not easy. It's not easy to make those decisions. It's not easy to make big changes, and so just want to congratulate many of those who've really rocked it this year. Whether it's getting old AR cleaned up that was left over from a prior billing company, We've had practices changing EMRs and PM softwares so that they can be more efficient, changing patient payment processes and credit card processing companies to being able to capture even more upfront payments from their patients to even a practice who's doing some massive overhauls with payer contracts and renegotiating rates. It's just, it's not easy to make these decisions that, hey, I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to do this for the business. It takes time and energy away from other things you could be doing. And I get that. And I just want to congratulate everybody because I know it's scary. I know it can sometimes be overwhelming, but it will make a difference. Things will calm down. And in 30, 60, 90 days from each decision that you're making, it will get easier and easier to worry less about the business. And I know with reimbursement cuts coming next year, it can sometimes also be daunting to think about, you know, where's healthcare going and where's reimbursement going and uh, how is this going to impact my, you know, my own practice and staff that I have? And so just want to congratulate everybody who, who have focused on their revenue this year and really made some big changes and improved that, um, you know, it can sometimes take 90 days to get a new billing company transitioned and six to 12 months to manage very massive old AR projects. But for those of you who have had to make those big changes and decisions, congratulations. I know that practices are going to be even stronger in 2023 as you continue to get further and further along in that journey. So if you are practice wondering what to do with your own revenue and billing, feel free to reach out at info at nationalrevenueconsulting.com, and we're happy to take a look at your metrics or your process and see if you could be performing better. So Next year, we're also excited to announce some new courses and classes that we're going to have, billing masterminds so that we can get together, solve different types of of problems, talk about metrics as as usual like we did this year, but really kind of build on that as we try and improve the revenue of our practices. So this week, we're going to talk about coding. It's important for medical billing teams as well as the physicians who are coding for these visits really understand both CPTs and ICD-10 codes. Now, out of these two codes, you could ask a team of medical billers and coders which one is more challenging for them to understand, and most will say that it's ICD-10s by far, which are going to be more complicated, right? There's more of them that you could be using in a day-to-day outpatient practice. And so we're going to talk about the top three things your practice should know when it comes to ICD-10 codes. Number one, ICD-10 code specificity. This is probably one of the number one things that I have seen personally as, you know, we've been auditing clients and looking at their own uh, billing and coding. So did you know that it does matter how specific your ICD-10 codes are? So specificity matters. And I know I've said that before. So we're going to talk a little bit about that in detail and if you've ever gone to pick an ICD-10 code, whether it's in your EMR or in a book or online through Dr. Google, and you just select kind of the first one that seems appropriate for the diagnosis, but it has the word unspecified in it, um, it m- may matter. And so it may be the first one you see in the dropdown list in the EMR, but it may not always be the appropriate one to, to pick. Picking the right ICD-10 code actually does matter, and it actually can result in either decreased reimbursement or even a denied claim. Now, of course, there are going to be times that you need to have an unspecified diagnosis and where it's going to be acceptable to use. And even CMS recognizes that unspecified codes are going to be necessary, and they specifically say when sufficient clinical information is not known or available about a particular health condition to assign a more specific code, it is acceptable to report the appropriate unspecified code. So hear me when I say it's not that you can't ever use that, but say you use unspecified, but there's laterality left or right that is appropriate, you need to add that. And important official guidance actually came out in October of 2021, which most of us, one are not reading those guidelines. and two, even if you were may have gone unnoticed. So the ICD-10 official guidelines for coding and reporting actually had an update where they said diagnosis codes are to be used and reported to their highest number of characters available. And here's the new part, to the highest level of specificity documented in the medical chart. So of course, you've got a chart, you know, the right stuff. But then if you, the physician, especially in an outpatient practice, are the one dropping the codes for these, also make sure that you're coding to the level of specificity that's in your medical note. And that's also appropriate for the clinical addition. Now, of course, like I said, sometimes it's necessary and acceptable to use those unspecified diagnosis codes, but just make sure that if you can go further, go further. And so an example of that is say, you know, and this was actually shared by um, an author, Zegan, in 2018, where they talked about a case example in emergency departments. The example showed that in the clinical chart where the physician had made note, they said non-displaced right talus fracture. But the x-ray had actually specified non-displaced avulsion fracture of the right talus. So in this example, and I'm not going to repeat the codes because that's um, nobody's going to have these memorized. Well, maybe the orthop- orthopods would. But the... Um, x-ray had more specificity. And so making sure that if the x-ray or test uh, that you're reviewing has more specificity, then put that in the medical chart. And then next is making sure that you code to that specificity. So don't code just saying the non-displaced right talus fracture. Go further since you have that diagnosis in the x-ray to be able to code for non-displaced avulsion fracture of the right talus. And yes, the ICD-10 codes do get that specific. And so the more specific you can get based on either an x-ray or the clinical documentation or the history of the patient, the better you will have in terms of reimbursements, decreasing denied claims, and that's just going to lead to better revenue for your practice. So again, specificity matters If you're doing your own coding, which most of uh, our practices and most of outpatient practices are, just make sure that you are coding to the highest level of specificity. And if you're struggling with your EMR, not having the level of specificity in there, I would highly suggest working with your sales rep because you may not have the most up-to-date version. Now, if you do have the most up-to-date version... Maybe a tutorial with the sales rep to show you how you can identify and find the level of specificity for codes that you are trying to bill out for on your super bills. Now, the second thing that's important for us to talk about is coding the disease, not the symptom. Of course, uncertain diagnoses is a common occurrence, and we're going to see that. And that's clearly going to be something we deal with in medicine. And there are even rules around when you can use signs and symptoms as a necessary basis for coding. And that's really going to be centered around when you have probable, suspected, questionable, rule out, compatible with clinical scenarios. So you aren't quite certain of the diagnosis, then using signs and symptoms or unspecified codes may make more sense. So citing from the 2022 ICD-10 general guidelines, signs and symptoms or unspecified codes are the best choice for accurately reflecting the healthcare encounter in certain circumstances. So things like a definitive diagnosis has not been established really by the end of the encounter or by the time that you're doing that coding. Obviously, this is different in outpatient versus inpatient scenarios. Or when sufficient clinical information isn't known or available meaning you haven't ordered the tests, you haven't looked at the x-ray, you haven't seen the lab tests. Another uh, recognized time where we're going to want to use signs and symptoms is when you have additional signs and symptoms that may not be associated specifically with the disease process that your diagnosis is covering. So meaning you have two different diagnoses going on. And so, you know, signs and symptoms don't, always fit into the true clinical picture of what you're diagnosing the patient, and so could there be something else that's going on, and are you adding additional lab tests or radiology tests in order to figure out exactly what's going on, especially for our more complicated patients? Now, on the other hand, you should not use symptom codes or signs and symptom codes when you have a definitive diagnosis. It's been confirmed, and of course, the signs and symptoms are integral to that diagnosis, I'll give a very simple example of this, right? So you have a patient, they have pneumonia, you're of course going to want to drop a code for that pneumonia, but then you're not going to also go and code for the cough, right? Because it's a symptom of pneumonia. So that's, again, very simple, but you kind of get the idea. So of course, there are going to be times when it's okay to use unspecified codes Um, There's times when it's okay to use signs and symptoms, especially when you don't have a definitive or workable diagnosis that you are ready to hang your hat on. And so there are times and and places for unspecified codes, for signs and symptom codes. You just want to make sure that you're using those judiciously because it can impact your reimbursement even in the outpatient side. And last, the order of ICD-10 codes matter. So did you guys know that the order of which you put ICD-10s when billing a specific CPT code does matter? And when you select diagnosis codes for billing, it is important that you're telling a story, right? You're telling a story of the patient's healthcare encounter. So obviously patients are going to present with multiple conditions, some that are related to one another, some that are not, some that they just throw in there at the end of the visit, hey, by the way, did you know this? Now if you're doing your own coding and if you're tasked with selecting the most specific codes and putting them in the right order then it's important to understand that the sequencing does make a difference. So first things you want to think about is why is the patient being seen today? What is the most pressing issue that you are managing? What is the most serious or what is the most time consuming? And that generally can be listed as the first diagnosis. Now, if there are multiple, then certainly you're going to want to list all of those out. And once the first listed diagnosis is established, then you can kind of follow through with other coexisting conditions, etc. So This is something that, you know, we often see docs not realizing, and it really does actually play a part in how your claims are managed. So take a look and make sure that when you're thinking about a patient that you're listing, you know, the one that they're there seeing you about, the one that's the most serious, time consuming first, and then the subsequent ones after that. And there are clear guidelines, especially with Medicare, on for certain CPT codes, the list of ICD 10 codes that are applicable in order to be considered medically necessary. And so that's another area where you can go and look at those crosswalks and see okay, for these procedures or for this test, you know, what are the applicable ICD 10 codes? Now, obviously, if that doesn't apply clinically, that's not going to work. But then it just makes you really recognize that there are certain ICD-10 codes that are necessary in order for you to get the reimbursement for certain CPT codes. So again, the coding arrangement matters, the specificity matters, all of these things impact how you how your claims are managed. Lastly, I'm going to say that I'd really like to make sure that everybody's paying attention both to the yearly ICD-10 updates, making sure that your EMR incorporates those updates so that you can bill for them appropriately. And for some EMRs, they are tricky. You actually do have to talk to the sales rep, make sure that they're, you know, integrated into your software. Sometimes it involves an additional fee. Usually it's a pretty low fee for you to make sure that those edits get added to your EMR. So please don't forget to do that. Make sure that that's done on an annual basis. Um, there are some highlights from the new 2023 ICD-10 codes, things like dementia and endometriosis, maternal care, head injuries. There's even some changes in motorcycle or electric bike accident codes. Um, and there's actually a staggering of almost 1200 new billable codes for 2023. Now this is a huge difference from the 2022 numbers, which had you know just over 150 new billable codes. So important to take a look at those. There were over 250 codes that are gonna be deleted and several terms and inclusion terms that will be updated and changed. So again, take a look at the ICD-10 2023 guidelines that are coming out, important for your team just to be aware, hey, these are there, are any applicable to my field? and then making sure that your EMR is updating those on an annual basis as well. So if you do need to use them, they are there for you to pick and choose from. So again, I know a lot of information with ICD-10 codes, not always the most favorite topic, not always the most exciting topic, but again, I get really excited about things when it does impact the revenue of our clients. So please make sure that you are taking a look. And again, if you're ending the year going, gosh, I don't know how my billing's going, I don't know what my metrics look like, and you want us to take a look, please reach out at info at nationalrevenueconsulting.com. And thanks for listening this year. We have enjoyed working with all of our clients and um, practices who've just come to us just to see how things are going and seeing how they can get some tips and tricks to improve their revenue. So we will talk to you next week. Happy holidays.